Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. Before we start this episode, we're going to again take a little time to thank a little bit of the people who helped make this show possible. First up is 2.0 Gear. Uh, it's a new brand that we just started partnering with. Uh, they make awesome uh, high-end technical uh, hunting clothes, camo. Um, and so they're based in Michigan yep. and a uh, new company. We've tested them for months. I tested them uh, in the whitetail season last year. Great Merino base layers. Yep. Great Merino shells. Yeah. Awesome. new pattern. A great system for going out West, but we'll use it a ton in the, in the whitetail woods too. So really excited to work with them. 2ogear.com. Go check them out. Next up is Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Uh, it's, it's an awesome, uh, basically connection to outfitters all over the world. So as a lot of people know, Good hunting ground is really hard to come by, and um, oftentimes the best way to ensure that you're going to get in a good spot, or maybe you need to legally have a guide, is to to go through an outfitter. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, as you might know if you've heard us before, we've had good experiences and bad experiences with outfitters, uh, which means, you know, in order to ensure you're going to have a good experience, you have to do a ton of research, you have to talk to people, it's just a lot of messing around. Worldwide Trophy Adventures, or WTA, does a lot of this work for you at no charge. So by booking your trip through WTA, you can rest assured that you'll be in a good location with a reputable outfitter um, that they've certified and endorsed. If you're looking to book a trip of a lifetime like I am, uh, just headed to a moose hunt here through WTA, you're going to want to check them out. Uh, Go give them a call. Actually, I have the number right here. It's one 800 346 8747 or check out their website at worldwidetrophyadventures.com. All right, so we love Trophy Line. They offer more than just saddles. Believe it or not, they have their own climbing sticks. They've got platforms. They've got a ton of extra packs. They've got packs. They've got every pads. Everything that you're going to need to be a saddle hunter, they have it. And so if you want to start saddle hunting this year and get into the game like everyone else and really love hunting even more, Go to Trophy Line, check it out, use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on that purchase. We're big bow hunters. Uh, sights, quivers, stabilizers, those kind of things are really important if you're going to have a deadly setup. Um, and so we've tried a lot of different companies in the industry, and we've kind of figured out that we really like Redline gear the best. So um, we are shooting their torch sights. Yeah, that's a re- it's a really cool, really cool sight. Very there's a lot of good micro adjustments you can make. You can customize a lot of the stuff on there. Really make it your own. The chargeable USB rechargeable yeah, light is really sweet. Cool. Um, and so we're huge fans of their stuff. We use them all the time. It's worth going to check them out. Uh, check out Redline. Use the promo code TFC10 for 10% off your purchase. And uh, let us know what you think. We love them. Welcome to the Fair Chase podcast where anything can happen. Uh and uh, welcome to a, a new year. This is the first uh, podcast I believe we're rolling out in the new year, or at least the first one we're recording. So excited for 2024. We had a great 2023. Lots of deer and bear, like lots of stuff were, was killed and we had a lot of fun. But we have big plans for this year. Um, wanted to kick it off right by bringing in kind of an old friend of ours, Anthony Heller. Um, Anthony, welcome. You know, you and I kind of got to know each other. It has to be like five years ago now. Yeah, that sounds about right. Five, six years ago. Five, six years ago. We, yeah. When we were first starting out, when we were still the the, the Boga guys, uh, we were in, well, we were in Wisconsin. And I know how people get bent out of shape if I say any area that I've ever hunted by name. So it was location X, <clears throat> even though it's, 
yeah anyways uh location x we got together and and hunted some some public land in in wisconsin together so uh anthony thanks for for coming back on yeah you bet it was and i if i remember right in which i know i do because this the horrendous night was it was like we were camping and it was like five degrees out it got to like zero negative five overnight in the tent like i was staying with jan and jan's tent and jan had no there was no fire there was no anything we had a big wall tent with nothing in it so i mean it was it was cold it was so cold it went from like the first day we were there was like 50 degrees yeah or 40 degrees something like pretty warm and i was like in a t-shirt for a while hanging out and we had our we we me and jared and we had jordan and mark and ours and our mm-hmm. we had one of those kind of an eight-man teepee which is everybody knows a four-man really it's always half of whatever they say a tent is <laughs> and yep. We had the stove, but it was like, oh, we'll put the stove in. I don't know if we'll need it or whatever. Well, the temperatures dropped huge, and it dumped snow on us. Mm-hmm. You know, which actually we were, I was excited for for hunting, like, the rut. We were, like, first or second week of yeah um, November before the 15th, time for sure. Yeah, and I was like, man, this is going to be sweet, but that snow, it made, the, I mean, J- Jared got into one early. He had some a lot of chasing going around uh, him. And then it, it kind of shut down. Uh-huh. Uh, but I actually, I'll say I did learn like a very valuable lesson hunting then. Cause it was like one of the last days we're there <clears throat> and it's frigid cold. And I'm sitting up with our, our camera guy, Mark. And it's like probably 10, 30, 11. Uh, and I'm like, Hey, you know, it's pouring snow or it was pouring snow. It's cold now. Like, let's just get down and like, just check some spots out. Maybe we'll circle back to where we are. So we get down, we walk, we take kind of a lap. It's all areas we've never been. So it's like, man, I just got to see what's out there. Uh, we come back to our, our stand and I see, I see deer footprints, hoof prints that are like hand size, big prints come right through the woods, literally underneath my tree stand or where my, uh, my saddle setup was smell. You could see it stopped and kind of smelled where I had climbed up and it took like two bounds and then it just kept walking away like literally in the time the half an hour we took our walk this it was i mean who knows how big it was but its prints were huge so it's like clearly i and i, I was shooting with a recurve so i would have shot it you know yeah, yeah. oh man i would have stayed on cold as hell like last day yeah you would have sent that arrow for oh 100 yeah even yeah, honestly every, if if you know me it's the first day also likely going to send that arrow <laughs> I'm not not trigger shy. So, uh, Anthony, how is your how is your season this year? Oh, my season was was really good actually. So, um, I was able to kill a really nice the largest buck we had on our private property that we hunt. Um, so had him on camera a few times. I tried to actually try to kill him last year. Um, I put like I think five six days straight to him and last year was a difficult year for for me for hunting um i only hunted nine days so five six of those days i spent trying to kill this buck um and it didn't connect with him and then this year he stuck around he made it through gun season and all that um and i didn't know it was him until after we killed him um because last year he had a double main beam and this year he didn't so they just kind of like um, used just kind of fused together so his bases were, were huge i think what the one base on one side is um cloak was like six and three quarters or seven inches which is like i i never like 
I don't score. I don't shoot a ton of huge deer, but six and three quarters and seven inches, like the taxidermist who I took it to, he was like, Jesus, this is, this is substantial. Anything over five is pretty good. Um, yeah. So yeah, he just like, he kind of fused together. So instead of a double main, it was that, um, is this no neck? Fuck. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I called him. I'm looking at him. Because, yep. Yeah. 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 I called him no neck because he just, uh, he, he's got no neck. He's like, he looks like a linebacker, man. <laughs> My brother doesn't have neck, neither does my dad. It's like head, head to shoulder. It's just their head swivels kind of on the shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I was able to to get him um, on the first sit on our property on a cold front, which was really nice in, in early October. Um, and then late October went out um, back to, so in Wisconsin, we were talking about this right before we started Wisconsin. Um, it's a one buck state for your bow, but if your buck mm. is positive for CWD, they'll hit another buck tag. Um, so I had plans to go out with some buddies to back to our property and let them hunt it. And I was just going to like film them. Um, and right before I got there, the Wisconsin issued me a second buck tag. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, you know, I'll go back out and hunt. You guys can hunt the, the private, our private, which is fine. I'm going to go bop around on public and just go scout and try to find some areas and whatnot. Um, and, uh, and I ended up coming up, uh, on a buck who was, um, Basically, I bumped him. I bumped him, but he didn't really bound off too much. So I hung around, and he came back and actually bred a doe in front of me at 50 yards. I ended up shooting him at 30 yards on a piece of doe. And he's, yeah, he's a pretty nice A-point. So that was a really cool Yeah, he's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I got some really good fall pictures um, with him. And, yeah, um, and oddly enough, like we were talking, you know, he's three and a half years old, and, and he had CWD as well. So they issued me another buck tag. Um so basically I have, yeah, I have a third buck tag now. I haven't expressed that on a podcast at all. And, and, um, I got a lot of like, I got a lot of really positive feedback on the second buck. And I also got a couple of like negative comments, like, well, you shouldn't be able to get a second buck, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't make the rules. I don't. I, exactly. Like, why would you not? I just follow them. Like if they, they say that if you have a buck that has CWD, you should throw it away. And because you don't get the meat, you get another tag. Like that's what they say, um, and they also want like it's part of part of the CWD management process is um, like herd reduction. So they want you to go shoot yeah. more deer, um, and, and and people will say like also like then you should shoot more does. Um, and the answer to that is yeah, they they give me four doe tags as well. Like and I'm out there trying to kill like basically the two opportunities I've had this year um, have been at two two nice bucks. I haven't I yeah. haven't been able to kill a doe. <laughs> They've been crammed. Um so and right now that's that's my mission now is trying to um trying to kill a doe. Um so now I'm doing some late season scouting uh, in Wisconsin. Most like half the counties go until January seventh. Um then the other half of the counties go until January thirty first. Um so I'm doing some scouting now and on now is just did some yesterday with a buddy and we're gonna do a, a little bit more today. Um and just try to try to get on something late. Uh, so that's all I love. Like once like, it's like, all right, I'm going for does. It's always kind of exciting. Actually. It's like, all right, let's do it. You know? Yeah. But with the, with that feedback that you got, say like another, you know, stud eight point walks out and one of those Michigan, Wisconsin, or Wisconsin eight points. Uh, like, are you taking a shot? Um, I'll, I'll, I've thought about it. Um, he'd have to be a stud. Um, like a 150 better probably 
And it's not because I don't want to shoot another buck. It's because I really want two tags next year. So the tag rolls over into the following year. So next year, I basically get to start out with two tags in my pocket. So then I can, I can spend, you know, the next three to four months scouting, putting up trail cameras. I can put on my cameras out in August, scout some more in August, September. And then I can key in on potentially a couple nice bucks next year in you know, in a, in a one buck state, you like it on our, like our private or even on the public, like I'll get pictures of bucks that are 140, 150, 160 inches. And that like kind of sets the bar for you. You're like, all right, cool. I want to kill one of them. And then you're out there the first right. night and a 120 walks through a nice eight point, you know, 125, 130. And you're like, shit, do I shoot this? Do I not shoot this? I really want to shoot this, you know, but I only get one, I only get one tang. And if I use it now, I'm done hunting. And, uh, and so like, I want to hold on to that tag, um, selfishly because I want to be able to shoot a buck on, you know, the first week or two of season, uh, if it presents mm-hmm. itself and then be able to ha- still hunt the rest of the season and go, right. um, into uh, late October, you know, it's always kind of a bummer. It's a, a high and low of, um, shooting a buck early season because then you don't get to hunt the, the rut or the pre-rut. Um, you don't get that fun time in there, but you killed a really nice buck because obviously that's what you got right away. Um, right. So yeah, it's uh, I, I would my personal preference. The long answer to your uh, to your question is, he'd have to be a stud. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think it'll come across one to be honest. Like they're at far and I can't wait now. I can't wait to see you pick post a picture in like a couple days of some giant buck that you shot. It's gonna happen. I. It's it's true. Like what you're saying is. And, and this is, I mean, I had a little bit of this year. I was, we get, we're two bucks state. Okay. I was tagged out by November one and it was cool. Like I was, I loved it. I was celebrating. They're hanging on my wall already, but you get to like, you know, a couple days into November and it's like all this rut stuff's happening. Usually this is the time of year where I'm hardly sleeping, you know, I'm mm-hmm. hunting. I've just, you know, you just go hard and then you got work and family on top of it. So it's, it's fun. I didn't have any of that. Like I'm just watching my buddies. I'm try- actually I was basically during the week begging friends to let me take them hunting because I'm like I got spots. I just want to be out there. Right. I so I had a, a I took a couple buddies out at different times and and stuff. But it's it's kind of a weird thing. And so it's I mean we're in, we're in Michigan since we have two two tags. It's not as big of a dilemma for us to try to figure this out. But for you guys in Wisconsin, it's like you get one shot for the most part. Um, unless they have CWD, so yeah, yeah, basically, and and it's one one for bow, one for bow, one for gun. It's not a one buck state as in like straight up one buck. Yeah, um, it's one for bow, one for gun. Just to yeah. clarification, and yeah, I think like ideal, like I think every hunter's kind of ideal scenario is like you get a week to take off or two weeks or you know you use your PTO and you go and you hunt, you hunt like late October, early November, you end up killing one on like November twelfth. You know, it's you get to hunt the whole thing. You get to have all the encounters. You get to see all the yep. cool shit. And then, like, on uh, you know, down to the grind. You get the grind, and then you, because that's always like if you don't grind it out, the the success is a little bit. I don't. Know, it's it feels a little bit. Um, I don't know, un- unearned in a way, maybe. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's some people who say, and uh, it's like you earn it other ways. And I feel like when you grind it out, and you finally kill something um you, you go on a hunt and you like elk hunting for this is a great example so 
first day a couple of years ago, I got out elk hunting and I got into camp at 3 a.m., woke up at 6 a.m., got out there, and I had a bull at 50 yards by 8 a.m., and I couldn't get a shot. And and I would have been like, I just drove 16 hours to hunt for one hour to kill a bull <laughs> to drive home 16 hours. Like, that would not have been like, I, I would have felt a little, it would have been awesome. Right? You got the full experience. Yeah, you don't get the experience. Like, the ideal scenario is you go on an elk hunt, and it's a nine-day hunt, and you kill them on day seven or day eight, you know, it's yep. like you get the whole experience, you get the opportunities, you get the grind, you get the, you hold the whole adventure of it. And then that's where I've like, as a, as a hunter now, um, where I'm at in life with, with two kids with, you know, somewhere between 10 to 15 days a year hunting. Um, I, I, I really enjoy the adventure, which is why I like the late season scout so much is because yes. It's it's the adventure of seeing all the new ground, finding the new spots, like the curiosity, the the joy, being like, oh, here's a scrape. Was there a good buck using it? Is there not? Like, are these all scrubs? Like, and you get to go and and just look at all this different stuff. No, I love that. And you know, it's funny we we were having a conversation with uh, a couple people who are not in not in hunting, like couldn't be farther outside of hunting about a project, hunting related project that we're we're kind of working on. And I was trying to describe these guys who are kind of like the kind of like East Coast, uh, like city folk that yeah. don't know anything about hunting and then telling them about it. They're like, what do you, for, they didn't know that there were seasons. They didn't know that there was hunter safety. They're like, can you just go and shoot something like with the biggest gun you have? And so to talk about like being like this conversation was like, we were, we're kind of alluding to this as we're talking to them, like the adventure and how much we love all the things that go around hunting is aside from just going out and just blasting something, you know, out of the truck, yeah. half drunk, you know. Uh, as I was funny just seeing them, like, I'm, like, trying to describe exactly what you're saying. It's like you want the full experience. It's not just about shooting the animal, which obviously it's it's a big part of it, but it's like you want to go out there, you want to see some some rotten action, you want to see chasing or fighting or something yeah. crazy, and you, you do because you're just sitting out in the woods. Like, you're going to see stuff, but when you almost, when you lose that, it's a little disappointing, right? Yeah, when you... um and I've, I've communicated this a couple of times to, to mountain hunters. And I, I try to, I generally try to relate it to something that I know about them, um, which I think really, really helps. But like an East coast person, like I'm, I'm sure they can understand running. Like if you just woke mm-hmm. up one morning and ran a marathon in three hours, you wouldn't find, you'd be like, okay, cool. I just did that. Like it wouldn't yeah. be as much as you wouldn't have as much joy. And that as if you if is if it took you seven months and you started at four and a half hours and you worked your way down to three hours and you finally ran a sub three hour marathon, um, and and it took you seven, eight, nine months to get there, like that right. is what brings you the joy is the grind of the work to get the result that you're looking for finally, not the fact that you got two fifty nine. Because if you woke yeah. up to, tomorrow and ran two fifty nine your your bar would be 230 220 like yeah. it'd be it's yeah you know what i mean like i, I try to relate oh totally to like that and that's uh, and that people tend to understand that all right we're going to take a pause here real quick and just thank a few more guys and companies that help make this show possible first up is vortex we can't say it enough we love their glass we love their binoculars spotting scopes range finders their apparel james james is rocking a nice little hoodie here they make awesome stuff, and if you guys are looking to make a purchase at Vortex, go over to their website and use the code 
TFC20 to save yourself 20% on the next purchase. That's a big, good discount. Use it. Head over there and get something. A bow makes a man. And, yeah, so I was told. And we're we're big fans of, of Prime Bows. Shooting it for years. Michigan-based company. Uh, we're shooting their latest Revix series of bows. Mine's that 36 long boy. I'll generally take a few shots right back here. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're huge fans. Smooth, uh, great balance. Um, they're, they're just go check them out. There's tons of technology. One of my favorite things that they have is their grip. Mm. Uh, space age space technology age. keeps your hand warm even when it's cold. Um, highly recommend go check out Prime Archery. Finally, Lathrop and Sons boots. Your feet kill animals. Like the more you walk, the more chances you have at, at getting that big buck, that big elk moose, whatever it is. Uh, Lathrop and Sons have been kind of our go-to boot of choice for a while now. Uh, we've put in a lot of miles, taken them all over the place. There's no leaking. It's comfortable. Stephen and James there, like, spend, they're, like, foot. Like, they're, ge- they're geniuses. I got messed up feet, and they basically will, you know, you take an imprint of your foot, they'll look at it, look at your arch, how wide it is, how narrow, how long, and they literally build the boot around your foot. So you're not going to a box store. And picking up something that you hope is going to fit your boot. These things actually are tailor-made to your foot. So they're super comfortable. Mine, I could I could walk all day in them. So if, if, if you're looking to get a have. If, I have. If you're looking for a boot that's made for you and not somebody else, go check out Lake Turbine Sons. Yeah, and that's so true. I mean, I mean, that's just the work you put into it. Definitely makes every success you have more gratifying. Uh and like, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today, just briefly. Um, a lot of the work, at least that I do, a lot of the works uh, work that I know you do is scouting, right? You you scout a ton, like you said, you you hunt a couple, you know, ten, fifteen days a year, or whatever. But I know you're out in the woods all the time. Um, so we're we're in January right now. It's January five that we're recording this for people listening. Um, you you mentioned you have some time left on the clock for you in Wisconsin. But say you're kind of done with season. It's the winter months. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. So the fir- I'd like to start with the first thing. The, re- the reason I-, I would want to hunt more than 10, 15 um, right. days a year. Um, my <laughs> wife, wouldn't we all? Right. My my wife is a volleyball coach, um, which runs September, October, November for her. Um, so and we have two kids. I got a third on the way. My work the busiest time of the year for my work so far has been Q3 and Q4, um, which puts me into October, November, December, like as some of the busiest times of my life. So it makes it really yeah. difficult. And that's to, to hunt more than that. Um, so, and, and every, everybody's life schedule is different. So for me, um, how you combat that, and I think I heard this from, from Andy May or other people is, is you have to fi- you have to find when you're slow in life and then utilize that time. So for me, January, yeah. February, March is slow. Um, so can I can I scout an extra you know 20 days or 15 days so that when I do when I am able to hunt 10 days, like I can make the most of that 10 days. You know I don't have yeah. to put effort into scouting then because I've already scouted previously and I can just hunt those 10 to 15 days. So that's like, that's why I want to, to put a lot of time in now because I'm slow and that's when I have the time. Um, in what I'm like, if, if I'm winter scouting, um, it's kind of all about your deficiencies from the year prior and your goals for the years going, year going forward. 
I think the first thing you have to understand about yourself is when are you going to take the time to, to hunt? Um, so for me, like I love October 15th to October 30th. So, and I like that time frame because that's when scrapes are most active. Um, and you're going to get the most like, um, upfront movement. That's not, that's not, that's not chaos. So like you get into November and you get like, you get the chaos and you get the most movement, but it's unpredictable movement. October 15th to 30th, you get the movement with the predictability. So you can, you can put those two together. So with that in mind, that's when I'm going to take my time. So that sets my goals for what I'm looking for in terms of getting out in, in the spring to what am I looking for? Because if, if your, if your objective is to hunt October 1st to the 15th, I met some guys this year and, um, they do peer removals. Um, so all uh, October, November, they're working, they don't get to hunt. So they're like, we basically get the first, the last two weeks of September to hunt. So they do all their scouting, um, via bean fields and green food sources yeah. in August. And they put in a ton of time in August because that's where the deer are today. And they're going bed to food patterns and they're running a whole bunch of trail cameras on food sources or on the edge of food sources and whatnot on public ground. So like, that's how they're going about it with, with my schedule. Um, in late October, I'm, I'm basically keying in on, I'm going to look for travel corridors, pinch points, um, scrapes, food sources are okay. There's, there's so many food sources in that late October time frame. Like I'm not keying yeah. in on, on picked corn or steaming corn or soybeans or anything like that. I'm more keying in on, um, travel routes, bedding areas and scrapes. Like where are those mega scrapes that yeah, scrapes are huge. That's, I mean, I love that. I'm, I love that time for that reason. Cause mm-hmm. and scrapes are fun to hunt. Like you said, deer are moving. They're not crazy, like random, but they're on their feet and they're checking the scrape regularly. You, you spray something on a scrape in that time period and you throw a camera out or you sit out there, you're going to see like, you're just going to see something like pretty soon afterwards, at least in my experience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you see, yeah, you can get, you can get box to come into scrapes all, all the time. And, and the other thing is I hung a camera. It's what is it? January 5th today. I hung a camera on January 1st on Monday. I got out and dropped one out. Um, and I had, I've had two bucks hit uh, and it's on a scrape and I've had two bucks hit that this week. Um, so yeah. it's not just an October thing. I think that's a big misconception. Um, and I had two does come to it as well. Um, and they licked the branch and moved on. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that's, that's important. And the other, the other big piece that I really like about scouting right now is everything's very clearly visible. You can see all the trails you can, yeah. um, you can see all the scrapes really easily. Like it's not tall grass. It's it, everything's blatantly obvious. And then you can get back a lot further, you know, walking a mile through the garbage in August is much more difficult than walking a mile through the garbage in January. Like there is no yep. garbage. It's just you clean and clear. So you clear. You get yep. easy visuals on everything. And you can also start to really um see hunter sign other people um from the past year as well. Like where's the garbage? Where's the yep. cut branches? Where are the tree stands? Because the ideal scenario is um basically if you had if you had a great season and you went and sat a scrape. Um, you went and hunted out, out there on, on a piece of public or, or private doesn't, doesn't matter if you, if you had a great season, that's awesome. Um, and, and I'm happy for you, but you, you always need a plan, plan B, 
a plan B, a plan C, a plan B. And people yep. who don't have those are, are generally the people that I find that, are, that aren't successful consistently. The guys who are the most successful consistently year over year are guys who have, you know, 17 plans in their back pocket. And they start with one yep. and work to two and work to three. So there's always room for, for more. Um, and especially like if you're a public land hunter, uh, you never know what the state is going to do to that land or who is going to go hunt that land next year. So yep. if, if you're happy with what happened this year, fantastic. Like keep that as plan A, but develop a plan B. Go to another piece of public and go put boots on the ground. Like I always start with e-scouting. Like right now we're, we're scouting, me and my buddy are scouting this brand new piece. And that's substantial. It's it's over 10,000 acres. Um, and so we started we started e-scouting and just dropped a whole bunch of a whole bunch of pins all over the place. And then yesterday we drove the whole thing. Um, because one of our objectives is just seeing like, are there is he he really wants to see if there's like a shooter buck still on the property? Like, is there something there? So we want to that starts with food sources like late season food, picked corn or standing soybeans or something like that. Um, but then after after we drove scouted the whole thing, then we put boots on the ground for. We stopped at three spots, three parking lots, and did about an hour and a half, like, hot lap through there and just checked a few spots. Um, and basically, at that point, uh, I had I have a, I know all this because I made a video on it which is yesterday, which is you're looking for, for four things. You're looking for, for sign. Um, it's sign, food, bedding, and then uh, access. So the access is, is human. Um, and you, and you want all four of those things to, to connect. You want there to be some sort of food source relative in the area. And it could be like, it could be half a mile away. It could be a mile away, but you want like some sort of food source to key in on. You want the signs. So you want the rubs, you want the scrapes, you want the trails. Um, and then you want like the bedding. You want to, you want to be able to walk into an area and be like, Jesus, I do not want to walk in there. And like, that's going to, yes. And allow you and <laughs> be like, okay, that's the bedding. And it's nice in the late season too, in January and February, like you can go walk in there, push the deer out. If you think there's yeah, deer, no care. push them, see what happens. Yep. If there's deer there, fantastic. One of the other things I like to um, to understand is that when you do push them this late in the season, they've been through, you know, multiple gun seasons, bow season, muzzleloader season um, for the last three months. So they are they are pushed into their safest of safe spots right now where they think they are not going to die. And if you can bump them out of there, that means when they're in trouble, when pressure hits, that's where they go. So that's like their home, their, their home base where they want to hide the most. If you can find that now, um, I, I find that in like when season starts, deer are much more spread out, but as the season goes on, their comfort zone for where they want to be shrinks and shrinks and shrinks until they get to these comfort bedding areas where they, they feel the safest. And that's like the scrape I found. It's funny because you, uh, it's, I, I don't know like how to explain it the, the best. Maybe it's, um, like I used to call them, uh, like bait spots for humans. Um, you like, you, you walk in a half mile to a mile, whatever it is relative to your, you walk in a long ways, right? And you're like, oh man, I'm going to get way back there. I'm going to find this. And you find this nice, beautiful area and you get there and you're like, oh, this is it. This is the most beautiful area. This is where it's going to be. But in, then you hunt it one time in mid-October and three other guys are in there. 
it's just like yeah I have, like yeah. like you get baited into it's so nice that you get baited so that's like level one right you you get yep. to level one and and you get back like i guess level one is right around the parking lot that's like level two you get that level two but then you yep. push a little bit deeper into that terrain you're like well this doesn't look really good back here but the trails kind of lead this way so you push to level three um and so i pushed to level three on in like december and I dropped a camera and I got one picture of a buck, just one picture of one buck over the two and a half weeks. Um, and so then, and I put it on a, my camera on a bunch of trails. Then I pushed to level four and I kept going and it looked like garbage um, where I was going, but I found a tree, I found a scrape and that's the scrape I've been talking about. So you push to level, like push to level four. And then I guess what I'm getting at is that um, you, you want to like in the late season, like push past where you think the deer are going to be like where you think like is a good spot like oh i made it so back so far well how much further can you go yep. how much further back can you go i know it looks like garbage e-scouting but go put boots on the ground and see what happens and the spots that tend to be uh my buddy austin and i were talking about this the spots that tend to be the most productive for us are the spots that look like garbage when you e-scout it and then you actually get there and you're like geez no one else is in here this is, looks great I don't think I'm going to ever run into anybody. Like, and if you want to try to escape the human pressure, like this is a spot that you can keep in your back pocket and never, never even tell your buddies about. That's right. It's, it's oil drops on a canvas or like ink blots. Like every time human pressure is, it just spreads out till, you know, however many yards around this dude that's been hunting here. And they're going to find the spot where no ink is touching. And that's where they're going to go. Especially as a, yeah, it's just like they'll, they'll find those little, ink-free zones and they'll hang out there and we've seen that and like you said now is a great time to do it you know you can see more what i'll often do for especially this time of year i love to be in the woods like i will i almost find scouting as an excuse just to go mess around in the woods for a while you know yeah um so i'll um i'll like trail run i'll i'll you know i, I gotta work out anyway so i'm like well i'm gonna combine both of these things or i'll go for like a rock workout as part of my like program of my program i'm on right now it's like well in my mind it's like well i can knock out both training training in the specific environment that i want to be able to be fit in mm -hmm. get scouting done and just be in the woods like hits all those things um but you know like you said it's just what what happens and what i firmly believe is like you want to be more successful you need to spend as much possible time any time of the year in the woods you need to be out where you're hunting and tr as as much as you can learn every f square foot of that that property and so you know two and a half years ago i moved to where i'm living right now uh in the middle of a ton of public land and so my my kind of mission has been how do i learn every single foot every single hidey hole every single nook and cranny that this place has and like you said you build up year one you get you get a couple spots plan a and b maybe you're C. Mm -hmm. Then you get the next year, it's like A, B, C, D. And like by the at end of a couple of years, you've got all the way through the alphabet plans, uh, which you, you kind of need, especially in a place like Wisconsin or, you know, for us in Michigan, where pressure is crazy mm -hmm. um, and it, it ebbs and flows. And so, I mean, to actually kind of to add on to your point, as the season goes on, I actually find that sometimes the spots that I hunt maybe the beginning of the season and then just lay off because there's so many people. They heat back up come, you know, the, after rifle season's done and people are kind of, in their minds, hunting season's over when in reality you have about a month left in December that a lot of people do not, at least in Michigan where I'm at, 
take advantage of. You know, uh, last year, for example, I I hit the biggest buck I've ever seen. Uh, it was December 20, I think, 22, 2022, something like that. Okay. He was cruising for does. He had been already shot, walking on three legs, you know, kind of just hobbling around and cruising. And I made the mistake of, um, I was kind of out on a point. I'm on the ground and I'm kind of like around the corner on one side of the point. I got out in the dark, had never sat there before. It was part of kind of like a hunt slash scout in a place I've never really been. And I made the mistake of sitting so... If a deer would come at the level I was, I didn't think they'd come at, they would pop around the corner. I wouldn't have time to be ready. It was too close to kind of like the corner of that, that point. And sure enough, he popped right out and just like it was, it happened so fast. He's like 10 yards in front of me and I'm sitting in a, like a, a blowdown and there's almost nothing I can do. Tried to wait for him to get past and ended up hitting him just like a brisket shot, which, you know, you, you see it. At least this is how it's happened to me with brisket shots. You see the hit, and it's like, oh, man, if I hit him, I hit him bad. Maybe I even missed him. And then you go there, and, like, it's pretty typical with a brisket shot. There's there's decent blood. And it's like, wait a minute, maybe I saw it wrong. And then you get your hopes up, and you get the dogs in and to try to track them. And, you, you know, I never ended up finding that buck. I still think about him. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, all that to say is time in the woods Time spent scouting any time of the year is critical. Like you said, now is the time where you can see sign really easily. Now is the time where I'll often be driving in the road and uh, I'll look and you can see rubs along the road really easy for whatever reason. I see them all the time in January for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's like another piece of that that sign factor. And I, I think once you, you know, as it, like it's it's about what you said, it's about developing all those plans and then and then figuring out the pieces that you want to hunt and and having all those um all those options available to you and then once yeah. you once you like and i have serious fomo like if i set up in a tree and i don't know what's 60 yards over that hill like and i i'm like i should be over there i i should be over there like i did it last night i went and hung and hunted in a new spot that i hadn't been before but i was hoping that the deer were going to come from this area but i was like am i far enough back Am I, am I far enough back or am I, am I too close to the parking lot? Should I go further? Should I, are they bedded right there? Am I going to bump them? Like, you know, and, and that's something you don't really know until you go and scout it. So it's really nice to, to remove the FOMO and be like, no, I've been over through this entire thing. hundred percent. This is the best spot. These are three yeah. best spots. And the other big thing is like, once you find a, you know, that if you're looking for scrapes and if your time frame is um if you get your time frames early season that you want to hunt like you got to key in on food sources and you need to scout a lot like right before in michigan it opens october 1st so if you're wanting to yep. do that you're wanting to scout like food sources right away but basically the beans are toast and the corn's still standing and you can't really scout that you got to just come scout the edges and and throw up cameras or if you're looking for acorns then you want to go deeper into the woods and find the the, yep. the 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 oaks that are closest to the bedding, like, and then throw up some cameras. And that's a whole lot of like trial and error. There might be, you know, seventeen different bedding areas that have oaks next to them, and you got to go throw up seventeen cameras and see which ones the buck is using that you're after, right? Yeah, that's all trial and error stuff. Like in the moment, you got to be there. Like whereas the pre-rutted rut, like the rut, you can scout funnels. Like you find, yeah. Uh, like if you're hunting a marsh, so I hunt a lot of marsh stuff. Like if you're, if you're like marshy nastiness, marshy nastiness, high ground through the middle, like basically a bridge and it's 30 yards wide and it's got a tree line, like boom, like that's what you're looking Just for. Just sit there. Yeah. Hang out there for a while. Yeah. 
exactly so like you're scouting like you're scouting like um biomes basically at that point like biomes and funnel and and natural edges and funnels and stuff like that and then for the pre-rut um you're 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 scouting the scrapes um then and and to find those scrapes like if you ever have like problem like when i e-scout i'm looking for an edge like an edge of a pine pine to crp or hardwoods yep. to a clear cut or you know egg to um egg to hardwoods or egg to marsh or anything where there's a transition like i, I remember i reading an article back when i was like 10 years old and it was um deer are creatures of the end and it's and it's never yeah. been like that's so true like if you can find the edges you're gonna find the information walking through the because the, the problem with walking through like if you're in a hardwood scenario and it's a, like a 40 acre chunk of hardwoods and you find a scrape right in the middle of it cool that's awesome you go sit that scrape and while you're sitting there the deer could walk 100 yards behind you 100 yards in front of you yep. you know 200 and you might be able to see them but there's no pinch, there's no funnel. So then if you move over that way a hundred yards, they could just go back over by the scrape and be like, shit, why did I move over? Exactly. Like you have to find the, the funnels where you can where you can spend where you have the highest odds that the deer is gonna be within range and they're like pinched down to a certain spot. They there's yep. some sort of natural vegetation, natural a rolling hill, something. So like that's what you're looking for for there. And when you and I'll finish this thought because I know you have something to add here, but when you find those edges, that's when you're going to find a lot of your scrapes. So when I e-scout, I will look for those edges. So the buck that I killed, the second buck, the nice, the eight-pointer on public land, um, I literally looked on, e I e-scouted, I found an old, what looked like an old CRP field um, that went up against the pine edge. So I was like, okay, there's probably going to be a, a, a scrape along that edge. Um, so I got up in there. Um, I hopped. I hopped into that CRP area. Literally found two cedars that were rubbed all the shit, and I was like, perfect. And they were super fresh, like sap on And I'm not shitting you, James. I looked to my left. I'm standing. This CRP, this old CRP field, is 50 yards wide. And I looked to my left, and there is the buck at 66 yards making a scrape. Not even at three <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. On October 27th, I just looked over it. I'm just standing in the middle of this thing, and he's just, his eyes are up. And I was like, oh, my God, backed up. And then, and and I went and tried to, the reason I bumped him was I tried to shoot him. Like, I tried to stalk him and shoot him, which didn't end up well. Yeah, but I was one on that deer, you know, three hours later anyway. But um, but on my way, way out of there, like, I bumped him, and I was like, okay, I'm going to give up on this deer on my way out. I found more rubs, more scrapes, and it's everything that I was looking for. And it, it was all on the edge of that. And then that CRP ended and it went to like on one side, it went downhill into like an kind of an oak hardwoods area. The other side, it went into like a walnut kind of basically walnut plantation that was full of multiflower rows. And all along those edges, that's where those scrapes were. And those are those are all yeah. for things that you can key in on. So if you're out there scouting and you're trying to find this and your time frame is the same as mine, you're looking for those edges. That's where you're gonna find these scrapes. It's and and even if you find them in the middle of the hardwoods. Like I wouldn't rate them as like a top tier scrape because you don't know when that's going to get hit. You don't know how it's going to get hit. You don't know the trailer taken to get there or anything like that. Like your odds are too low. It is. Yeah. It's, it's much lower. Those odds are much lower than if you were to find one on the edge where like I ideal scenario, right? Like, like the, the, the piece that you're looking for is like, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, 
what do I want to say? Like a canal, like out here, we have all these like oddball canals. Like basically it's mm-hmm. old, old swampy farm fields, right? They used to dig the irrigation channels. So you have these irrigation channels and then they stop. So that creates a natural barrier that creates pinch point. They're going to go on the left or right side of that barrier. Right. And then you have another one that butts up uh, and you're running a CRP field along that. And then you're running, you know, some hardwoods on the other side of the CRP. And then it all can, and then you have another ditch that kind of comes together in like a T and there's a big crossing right there. And right there, there's a big scrape. Like all these things come together and there's a huge scrape right there. Like that is a pinch point, a funnel, a travel route, like your odds are the highest in those spots versus just a scrape in the middle of a 48 or hardwood chunk. Like, right. Which they could hit, but you're just, if you sit there all day, every day for a week or two, I mean, maybe you'll see some deer that way, but like, again, you have like a couple wind, a couple hour window and once, you know, every once in a while. So yeah, it's just not high enough percentage. Exactly. And so that's like, the 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 FOMO part of it is and one of the best reasons to go out now is is basically in my in my opinion I'm gonna go out and if I'm gonna analyze a chunk that's like this chunk that we're hunting right now that's over ten thousand acres it, it's too much it's gonna take us years to figure this thing out um but yeah. and I did hear I did hear the juries like this puts it in, into perspective the juries bought a farm and it was two hundred acres and they said hopefully we can get this thing figured out in three years. And so the jurors who all they do is hunt and they have unlimited machinery at their disposal to manage the land and, and cure the land and do whatever they want to it. They think 200 acres is going to take three years to figure out. And if you're on public land and you're trying to figure it out and you got a thousand acre chunk and you're not figuring it out in three years, that's totally cool. Like people need to realize. And so many more variables on public land. Like oh. not only like they get like a, it's just very closed off. They can control everything in public land. It's like you have to learn what other hunters do at different times of the year in that spot. Yeah. You know? Exactly. I mean, yeah. And the other big variable that a lot of people forget about is duck hunters or squirrel hunters or pheasant hunters. Oh, my goodness. Like, that's a major yep. variable. And it can be an awful, it can be a godsend, or it can be a curse. Because pheasant yep. hunters can push deer out of CRP and force them into certain areas. So it eliminates the amount of ground you need to look at. Right? That's great. Yeah. But on the flip side, it could push deer out of the private. So that's awful. Same with duck yeah. hunters. Same with squirrel hunters. Like you have to, you have to kind of take that stuff into into account when you look at it. Um, well, for marsh guys like us, like you know, duck hunters, we we rerun into duck hunters quite a bit. Duck and squirrel. You know, I, I this year squirrel hunters. We I had <laughs> one sit with Jared and I go out. And he we didn't remember it was opening opening day for duck season, and so Jared sends me a video of himself in uh, in a saddle, and it's like you can see. You know, stuff blasting around him like it. He's like right overhead. He's seeing guys right in front of him. Like, oh, crap! It was the opener this morning. That's, you know, just not even thinking about it. So, yeah. Oh, so, that's a like that's another thing you want to consider when you look at that stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, and so when you're when I I would have thought to finish when you're going out and looking at all your all the an area you're trying to pick apart. Let's just say the the piece is 300 acres. You got a day to walk through the whole thing trying to take that apart and you what you find like you're trying to find all the scrapes and in my opinion you kind of want to start like you either want to note or rank the scrapes rank those scrapes mentally um and how like i would rank them 
is based on the the size um the size and the age of the scrape like if it looks like it was hit one time that year like i would kind of discount it and it's right on the edge of a of a cornfield right outside the parking lot like that i'd give that like a one one out of ten yeah um if it's deep in the woods you got a big pinch point it's basically like it's dug two inches deep into the ground because it's hit so many years ago it's on a big bush and every branch is broke um and it's far back and it's really limited access for people like i would rank that a 10 out of 10 and when yep. you're when you're done scouting like that whole thing and you're you're like I run on X and if your on X is full of um all these scrape pins and two you have fifteen on there and two of them are are ranked ten, like then I'm then I'm going back in there and going at the looking at those two ranked tens and I'm going, All right, where am I gonna put a tree stand for a north wind? Where am I putting a tree stand for a south wind? How am I accessing this? What's the best way to hunt this? And then I'm labeling that. So when like if you do this enough, like you like you're doing right now with this huge chunk of public all around you, if you do this enough, all of a sudden you're going to end up with 175 pins, you know, on on your vision, and and you're going to be like, all right, I got a northwest wind today. Where am I going to hunt? And if you have 175 pins and they're not color coded, like or something, like you're going to be like, shit, yeah, I got to figure this. I got I wish like so I color code I I color code my smart hands. So that I know, like, all right, if it's a northwest wind, I'm looking for yellow. If it's a south wind, I'm looking for blue. Like, and then that's how I know, like, I can shrink it down. Instead of 175 pins, I'm looking at 12. And then I'm based on time of year and where I think pressure is and things like that. Then I, I go ahead and, and figure out where I want to sit. Um, and it's always interesting. That's like, smart. I did. I, it's, I, I made the mistake before not doing that. And it's like, like you said, you all of a sudden look at your map and it's like, these all look the same. And I have to like look at each spot and then try to remember, you know, it's such a pain, such a pain. It is. It is. And and I I tell you this because I I learned from the failure of doing the same thing. I've just like, I got to figure out a system for this. Um, but yeah, like I, I really think a lot of the, the, you know, this year, my success did not come from um scouting late season like this uh i got i got lucky on a brand new piece with that public land eight pointer and then mm-hmm. i knew that like where that deer was on our piece of private it was a tree stand that i had hunted i'd never hunted before um i'd never hunted the area i thought it was too close to our to our cabin that we have on the property um so i let it be and i think that just like for whatever reason i was like you know what like i've gotten trail camera pictures of here all the time of mature bucks in early October. Like I got to just did here, even though I think it's too close. And yeah, I mean, I killed them. I think like eight or nine minutes before legal light was over. So yeah. like he came out last light, he was there. I, I guess I saw him 20 to 30 minutes beforehand, but he like kind of saw me. Um, he didn't see me. He was with a younger buck and that younger buck saw me because he got out and yeah. on and came to 10 yards of me and and then started acting all weird and him and I had to stand off and the buck was like watching him like he was his bait like he was like what are you doing yeah right. good shot yeah I would rather you go for it me get shot um but uh but other but besides those two bucks you know all the other bucks that I've run into as well as you know any other opportunities I've really got a lot of them come from spring scouting like it's just it's it's just too yep. good and if you can get out there, like one of the problems is snow, like Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, like we get a boatload of snow and it covers up a lot of scrapes and stuff like that. And if you get out and hunt that, like 
or scout that. Like I, I just look for the scrape trees where you think there'd be, and then you look at the branches and see if they're all broken up. Um, but uh, not this year though. We don't have any snow. It's uh, it's not like yet. scouting heaven out there. It is, yeah. And if you can't get out is out now before the snow, then you want to get out um in like March or April something. Yeah, and especially if you're doing marsh stuff. Um, a huge tip that I have that that's really helped me is is in like March and April, um, I guess like late February, March, uh, get out there in the morning, scout the morning because the ice will still be hard. Um, and try to get out of like, if you cross an ice at noon or at like 10 AM, you got to cross that ice again before like two o'clock and it could get soft and start breaking on it. Um, so it makes yeah. it really easy to scout stuff in the morning than, than the afternoon once it's mush. Yeah, I love that. No, I love that because I've dealt with that before. And then you come home with wet feet, you know, wet yeah. pants and everything else. Yeah. No, it's it's great stuff. Um, Anthony, I know you have you you got to get rolling here to be yeah. scouting today, right now. So um, thank you for coming on, just talking about this. It's something we're thinking about a lot. We'll be talking about it a lot. And for people who are listening, and I was telling you this, Anthony, beforehand, check out uh, your Instagram. Uh, you do a lot of cool videos, really helpful little bits of like, info yeah i watch them i like them it's helpful to me uh you want to share everybody what you're where they can find you to see that kind of stuff yeah yep yeah so in i i'm on instagram um i'm on instagram tiktok facebook all the fun the fun socials um and it's uh my my handle is deer vein so it's d-e-r and then v which is v-a-n uh v-a-n-e so deer vein um I took a long time to think about that. Like I tried to like my buddies and I were kind of sitting around one night thinking about like, what should we name that thing? And then I wanted it to be like, like deer running our veins or something like that. Something, <laughs> something super cheesy like that. So yeah, 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 it's too cheesy. So I wanted that. Um, so I thought like deer vein was a good way to good play on words. So that's what, that's what we have it at. Um, so yeah, it's a Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. And feel free to message me if you have any questions. Um, I'm happy to chat as much as, as much as I can. Has two kids and full time job and full time trying to heart and trying to do, you know, all my own shit. Be a good husband and all that other stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, we appreciate you coming on. Like I said, it's always good to connect, and we'll we'll stay in yeah. touch here. But yeah, everybody, go check Anthony out, Deer Vane. Um, and um, if you have any questions, shoot him a message. Let us know if you need anything, and. Thank you again for for listening in. You bet. You bet. Thanks for the time, James. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really helps us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five. Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like it. Review. Five stars. It helps be- everyone out. We'll see you out there.